This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Raw Reaction Show. Joining you this morning at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, the morning after Arsenal drew, uh, which is a sentence that I haven't had to say very often at all this season so far. Arsenal drew 1-1 away at Southampton at St Mary's. I was there yesterday in a very windy, cold, rainy Afternoon. I tell you what, it was it was nice of the weather to hold during the game. It was a shame about the rain of our or the raining on our parade, I suppose, from not only our own wasted chances, refereeing decisions, and Southampton's strong defending. Um, but all of that, of course, combined to lead to overall a mixed day. Uh, it was somewhat helped by the weekend's other Premier League scores, besides our main title rivals, uh, Manchester City. But we're going to talk all about this and more uh, in the show. And of course, as this is the Raw Reaction Show, we're going to be getting a lot of your thoughts and feelings, queries, questions, all of that stuff in the chat box as well. So let's kick things off, as always, by saying good morning. Apologies for the slightly late slot. I went to the the PowerPoint presentation that I do for each of these and it hadn't saved. So I had to do a quick five minutes uh, creation, which I'm hoping is still going to be fine. Uh, Kaiser, good morning to you, to Anthony. Uh, good morning to Olu. Good morning to Aguna8 David. Good morning to Matt G. Good morning to Carl. Good morning to Manu and Steve and Paul and Louie. Good morning, guys. Stevie, Stephen, Perez, NSW. Thank you so much for the continued support on the channel. And a thank you to, uh, we had a super chat pop in the chat box as well, which has just skipped past my eye. There we go. Mike in Perth, TGT Broadcasting now live from Leeds. No stress. Mike, fantastic to hear from you, my friend. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Having a fantastic time. Let's kick off, as always, by telling you to go and check out the latest prize link in the description. Last day you can get involved ends at 7.30 p.m. tonight uh, before our next prize goes live over at Football Prizes tomorrow morning. Uh, signed Sol Campbell and Colatore photo montage. One of a kind prize. Uh, you can win a signed Tony Adams shirt as an instant win, potentially, and a signed William Saliba photo montage as well. Make sure you get involved in that. So, Arsenal dropped their first points of the season since their loss at Old Trafford against Manchester United. It was a frustrating game. It had a lot of promise about it, that's for sure. 
but ultimately ended in frustration for us. Um, there are a number of reasons why the game went the way that it did. Some in our control, actually a lot in our control, and others out of our control. And we're going to go through those now. Al Xhaka got the goal of the game, scoring his fourth of the season, seventh goal contribution after what you have to say is a brilliant cross from Ben White and great move on that right-hand side. Bakaya Saka involved in the build-up as well. Right-footed finish. And from that point, when we scored that early on in the game, my feeling, my feeling, my thinking was in this was that we would just kind of go on to comfortably win this one. And we were creating the chances to be able to take this away from Southampton in the first half. But Gabriel Jesus just missed chance after chance after chance. And this is now his fifth game in a row without scoring. Is this the time to start getting worried? Is this the time to start getting concerned about Gabriel Jesus's goal droughts? For me, not quite yet. Um, I came to kind of, and I wrote this yesterday, and I wrote it in my winners and losers piece, which has gone out this morning, that for me, the difference between Manchester City and Arsenal is that Arsenal have signed a player, not even thinking about the player that we signed was from Manchester City. Arsenal have signed a player that has leveled up us. Like we, It's leveled us up. Gabriel Jesus has taken us to another level. I don't think anyone could dispute that claim. Him coming into the team has enabled us to play better. It's enabled our wide players to play better. And it scored us more goals. You know, five goals, five assists in, what, 12 games, I think, so far this season. Something around that. Definitely five goals and five assists. Um, is leveled up our game. But the difference between that and what Erling Haaland is, is that Erling Haaland has managed to up, upgrade Manchester City. And that kind of tells you the difference. A team that has won four of the last five Premier League titles has been leveled up by a striker. A team that's finished eighth and then fifth has been leveled up by Gabriel Jesus to a team that are looking much, much better in the Champions League. That is kind of what we're talking about in terms of difference. And they are different calibre strikers. I'm not worried. What I don't like, and I've already seen a couple of people drop this or sprinkle this ridiculousness into the chat box this morning, is comparisons to Lacazette. And now I know there are people that are joking, and I can tell some people are joking about this, but there's genuinely some serious tweeting, serious YouTube commenting, comparing Jesus to Lacazette. Lacazette doesn't get into any of those positions. Lacazette doesn't get into those uh, runs where he runs through the back. He doesn't create those chances, doesn't do what Jesus does. The disrespect, the, just the sheer disrespect to even make a comparison to a player that just stopped trying for Arsenal at the end of his Arsenal career. He just stopped trying. That's why he was able to be replaced by Eddie Nketiah that, let's be real, gets nowhere near this Arsenal first team right now. I can't get my head around why there's this self-sabotaging personality trait of so many Arsenal fans to want to just bring our players down to a level or compare them to former players that just were not at it for us. Are we really going to start making comparisons to, to Lacazette? I'm serious. People are genuinely doing this. People are genuinely having a thought process in their mind to make them think that it's an appropriate comparison to say that Jesus is just another Lacazette. Genuinely, send those tweets. Unreal, find them. It won't take you very long indeed. I was so frustrated for Martin Odegaard yesterday because Martin Odegaard did everything that I've been asking for him to do other than score and he had a great chance to score and to be fair, he took the chance that was unfortunately by Tierney off the field before he managed to hit it back. Great finish in that moment. There was another chance where he hit inside the box, hit it wide, should score. But everything else beyond that game 
was unreal. The control, the passing. He had 94% pass accuracy, three key passes for massive chances. Great play in terms of keeping it ticking over. Odegaard was unreal. And that's why I'm so annoyed that Mikel Arteta took him off. So incredibly frustrated. I like Fabio Vieira. I think there's a player in Fabio Vieira. I think there's something to come from him. But that was not the change. Like, we lost so much creativity when we took Erdegaard off. So much creativity when Erdegaard left the field. We desperately needed to keep him on. If you wanted to bring on Vieira, take off Xhaka. Go a little bit more attacking. Be a little bit more risky. Not only that, but I think Arteta made mistakes in terms of the substitution. It should have been Eddie coming on is fine, but he should have come on for Jesus. Martinelli taking him off meant we lost. We just lost something on that left-hand side. And Tierney, I thought, really improved things for sure. But then you took Martinelli off, and so you lost that dynamic on the left-hand side. It should have been Nketiah for Jesus, and it should have been Vieira for Xhaka. If you were going to have been Vieira on, I didn't even think we had to in that moment. I think we could have just brought Nketiah on for Jesus and tried something different up front. But I really think he got the subs wrong yesterday. And I said on Twitter yesterday, I was happy with the starting lineup. I wasn't going to criticize Tommy Asu starting. That wasn't an issue for me. Everyone was talking about whether it be Tierney or Zinchenko against Liverpool. He played Tommy Asu and won. He persisted with it against uh, Leeds and won. And let's be real, we should have won this game. If we'd have taken our chances, we wouldn't even be talking about who started the left back. Let's be real about that. So I had no issues with that at all. What I had an issue with was the substitutions. And as soon as we start dropping points, that, for me, is when we can start being a bit critical of some of the decision-making, of the winning. It's very different. But being critical of those, those substitutions were just, for me, just not it. But that pass map is just insane. And how on earth he wasn't rewarded with uh, an assist. I mean, if there was a statistic for should-be assists in a career at Arsenal, I think Mesut Ozil and Erdegaard would be up there with some of the highest. That they've. And Ozil managed to get plenty of assists anyway, but... My goodness, those two are going to go down in history as some of the players that should have had record-breaking numbers of assists. Um, Gabriel Jesus's penalty claim. Now, in the moment, myself and Kaya sitting next to each other in the press box, thought in that moment it was a bit soft. We were interested in waiting to see if VAR would check it. It didn't. I've now watched this back <laughs> countless times this morning, just watching it over and over and over again. And whilst... Whilst there's this whole thing about VAR, which is a whole clear and obvious error, and it can't re-referee games, and if the referee's not given it, has he made a clear and obvious error? And I can't, I can't, for the life of me, work out how it isn't a foul. How how is it not a foul? Like I, I don't, I don't really understand how this isn't a foul in the box. It has to be. Look, look at the arms, and he was, and Dujakaleta Car was doing this all day long. Arms around the players, wrestling them to the ground all day long. It is a it is a clear penalty, a clear penalty. You know, I'm just I'm just a writer, I'm just a presenter, I just do what I do. These are officials that are paid week in week out to be professional at what they do. And if they can't work out clear and obvious things, we saw it yesterday in the Man City game. We saw it where Erling Haaland was taken out by um, Sanchez, I think it is in the Brighton goal. Not given, not even goes, doesn't even go to the VAR. The number of mistakes that are made in this game, and just, and I don't mean this game is in Arsenal Southampton, I mean the game of football, in the game of the Premier League, is frankly embarrassing. It's embarrassing how poor the officiating is. It undermines the, the credibility, 
It undermines the legitimacy of the competitions that they're in. There is billions of pounds that goes into football. And what's the point if you can't get the decisions right? Even when you're given the opportunity to go back and look at a VAR screen, no longer oh, no longer are we seeing them even do it. it it's just so, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It really, really is. Lyanko red card. Lyanko red card. Lyanko red card. Lyanko red card. How has this guy stayed on the field for 90 minutes? How is he being congratulated by Southampton fans across social media for being somehow the, the, the difference maker? If that was my player, I would have been blasting him for being such an idiot for nearly costing you a game because he should have been sent off not one, not two, not three, but four times. <laughs> four times he didn't get a red card. He punches Jesus twice, he headbutts Nketiah, and then he grabs him around the neck. I, I can't I, I can't get my head around how there's been no red cards for Lyanko in this game. None whatsoever. <laughs> For those that are listening on audio, uh, I have what I was saying, Lanko Red Card, just thrown up the pictures of each of the incidents, uh, just so you know why I was saying Lanko Red Card over and over again. None of, none of them were checked. Uh, I think James says this. Yeah, James in the chat, James Curry. Not one decision was checked by VAR. He punches, he, like, he physically punches him. I, I can't understand. I know I'm laughing and I shouldn't be laughing because it's bad. It's really cost us. But you, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. It's it's mad. It is absolutely mad. Um, yeah, I really, really, really can't get my head around it. I really can't. There was also another bit where he had a little scuffle with Xhaka off the ball that wasn't caught on the camera. We saw it in the ground. That little thing with Xhaka. Xhaka remained calm uh, in the moment. But yeah, yeah. I don't get it. Small silver lining on the day. Spurs lost. I'm not going to linger on that because I don't really want to. But small silver lining of the day is that Spurs did indeed lose. Uh, that brings us to an end of part one. Uh, but it doesn't need to bring an end to your security needs when you are online. Uh, a massive thank you to NordVPN that have sponsored the Guna Talk for the next week uh, that you'll be able to get involved with. Uh, I've used it. It's been brilliant. I've used it when I was away on holiday in uh, Mauritius when I was enjoying plenty of cocktails, not glasses of wine, although I did enjoy a fair few glasses of wine. It was cocktails that I enjoyed and did intend to use with the picture. Uh, but NordVPN is a great package, keeps you safe and secure online. Uh, I used it to be able to watch the uh, Arsenal-Brentford game despite being in a country where my usual broadcasting app wasn't working. All I needed to do was just click over to my geolocation and uh, click to the UK, and it was all good. And you can do it too, and you can get this safe, secure service online as well. You can change your geolocation, watch things that you won't be able to watch usually in your country. Do make sure that um, you read through all the terms and conditions. But you can get four months three uh, free rather than three. Uh, four months. See, this is why I pre-record them. <laughs> four months free. Uh, and then so that's a really great deal with a massive uh, discount off the service as well. Link in the description. What you need to do is go to nordvpn.com slash guna. And you can even, uh, if you're not pleased with the service, get a 30-day money-back guarantee. Uh, so some really safe and secure things. Secure in the knowledge that you'll be far safer than anyone around Lyanco. That is for sure. Anyway, let's jump to part two and go through your thoughts and theories and queries and questions in the chat box.
Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Amira, great job on the slides, Tom. Doesn't look like it was thrown together in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I had the pictures. I just had to like, kind of shape them and put them and type all the things out. Oh, mate. Uh, Charlie says, Tom, I see why you wanted Bruno Gimaraes so much. The guy is next level. I, I wax lyrical about him <laughs> so long. I was like, he's the perfect guy to compete with Granite Xhaka. The perfect guy. Yeah. Uh, JDB says, at first, Tom, I didn't see your point on the fact that Erdegaard gets a lot of hate. But lately, the amount of people calling him lazy and lackadaisical, asking to sell him, is just mind-blowingly unfair. Why? I tell you why. Most of them, unfortunately are Arteta haters that have seen Odegaard for a long time as a bit of a stick to beat him with. Odegaard is the reason why Arsenal tick. Arsenal is the re- uh, Odegaard is the reason why Arsenal are as creative, are as chance-creating as possible. And if Odegaard isn't having a good game, it has a significant impact on the way that Arsenal play. A significant impact. And that shows you how important he is. I also think there is a big kind of view around goals and assists and obviously goal contributions as stats. And if you aren't a stat-grabbing menace, uh, you know, players like Kevin De Bruyne, etc. It obviously goes underneath what might build you up as a much better player. Uh, he finished the season, I think, just one goal contribution behind Bernardo Silva last year. I'll say that again. One goal contribution behind Bernardo Silva last year. So, yeah, look, Odegaard is just levels. Uh, Charlie says, can I just say, I wasn't a fan of Odegaard, but I've seen something these last few games where he's gone up a level in terms of key passes and people are just not taking them. Chances are just not being taken. And that is, man, it is just so frustrating. Um, Sesmalakula says, uh, Tomiyasu is not a left back. You know what frustrates me about this? Is that Tomiyasu is the guy that so many Arsenal fans wanted to see replace Gabriel as left-sided centre-back. I know he plays there for Japan. I thought Gabriel was great yesterday, by the way. I thought he had a great game. Southampton scored a great goal. You know, I think there was a mistake in fairness from Ben White on the right-hand side that let them through. But I thought Gabriel had a really good game defensively again yesterday. Didn't really have any complaints at all. And Tommy Asu, for me, I felt if it was me, I would have started Tierney. I said that before the game. I said that in my preview show. I didn't have an issue with Tommy Asu starting because I I, I can't really question... Arteta's team selection when we're top of the table and we're winning games with Tommy Asu at left back. And to be honest, you know, we 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 should have won the game today. Like yesterday, we should have won that game, regardless of whether it was Tierney or regardless whether it was Tommy Asu. You know, and we created chances, plenty of chances in that first half with Tommy Asu playing left back. So it wasn't as if he was like restricting what we did. Now I think Tierney should start against Nottingham Forest. I think we need to be a little bit more proactive. I think we need to be a little bit more um, offensive-minded. If Zinchenko's back, look, Zinchenko, I think, is such a big miss for this team. What he adds to the attack, what he adds to the build-up, what he adds in terms of confidence, Zinchenko is really missed. Yeah, Michael in the chat. It's a shame because we really miss Zinchenko. Tommy is great at defending, but not as good in the build-up play. And Tinny loves to hug the touchline too much. Um, Benji says, why do we keep resting? Tierney needs to start to gain momentum and solidify his new role. Um, Cass says, not to mention Thomas Partey's performance, which was day and night in the each half. Uh, definitely awake in the first half. Yeah, I, I was saying to Kaya, Kaya was actually turned to me and said, this is one of those, like, this is the game where you see Partey go under the radar of how good he is. But the second half just kind of fell out of the game. Really fell out of the game. Frustratingly so. Uh, Clock Orange says Zinchenko, Smith-Rowe and Elneny are huge misses. Their injuries are affected. The thing about the Smith-Rowe injury is that's the type of game that you can bring Smith-Rowe on and, and be a genuine better option than, than Eddie and Ketia. 
But Eddie and Ketty are coming on for Martinelli. If Martinelli was injured, and I don't know if he was, but if there was a knock to Martinelli and you can bring someone on, Smith Rowe just gives you so much more on the left-hand side than what Eddie Nketiah does. And I would have changed Eddie Nketiah for, for Jesus. I would have done a straight swap up front, give us a striker that's more playing on the on the uh, last defender. And if Smith Rowe was fit, it gives us another option that's frustrating. In that January window, yes, Smith Rowe should be back by then. But we need to go and get a forwards. Like, we really do need to go and get a forwards. Arteta spoke in the press conference ahead of the game that he felt he was confident in saying that the player, the people around him will bring him players if he asks for them. Well, I hope he asks for them because we absolutely need to bring a player in in that forward line. We really do. Uh, Ian says, uh, but Tom, was that, n- was, not that, or was that not the complaints of Mikel Arteta in last season that we're making chances and profligating in front of goal? Um, I think the bench was not inspiring. That is why the transfer window was a six out of ten. I think that the again, I think that the uh the bench situation changes dramatically, Ian, if Smith Rowe, if El Nenny, if Zinchenko are all fit. I think if they're all fit, the bench situation changes dramatically. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that the window was a six out of ten because of that, but I do think there's work still to do. I think the window for me was a 7.5 to 8 out of 10 for the players that we brought in, the players that have taken us up to a level where we sit top of the table still, uh coming towards the end of October. So I think it would be unfair to say that the window was a six out of ten, especially considering the injuries that we faced at the start of the season. Um, Jonathan says, our centre-halves have been fantastic, but I must admit sometimes I miss White's bursting run from right centre-back and pressing the lines. Interesting point. Um, I think Saliba was quiet yesterday. I didn't stand out for me. He didn't necessarily do loads. But it wasn't one of those games where you go, wow, Saliba, like, unreal. And yeah, he's 21. I'm not going to complain about Saliba all that much. You know, Saliba's been brilliant for us at the start of this season. He's not always going to have games as a centre-back where he shines. Um, I think he shines in some of the games where he's really challenged. And I don't think Southampton necessarily really challenged us in an offensive sense at all, that much whatsoever. Um, it's it's just a shame that we weren't able to take our chances on the day. Um, uh, part two, Tom, uh, says TJ Mack, the pass through... To- oh, this is part two of a comment. Uh, so I should probably read part one from TJ Mack, which I'm trying to find. Here we go. Uh, good morning, Tom. I think Odegaard is great. However, his final ball needs a lot of work. What? He had three key passes, man. (laughs) He had three assists. He should have had three assists. Three. Like, Eddie Nketiah should have scored. Jesus should have scored the volley. And Jesus should have scored the one-on-one. This is not the game to start going, Odegaard needs to work on his final ball. He should have had three assists. (laughs) I can't. There's nothing to me. I'll, I'll read you part two. The through pass to Jesus, he shouldn't need more than two touches. No, I'm sorry. It's not about Jesus needing more than two touches. Jesus's confidence is here. And if Jesus's confidence, confidence was here, he takes the shot sooner. He doesn't try and get closer and closer and closer. You're confident enough that you take the shot sooner. You go and watch any confident striker, they'll take that shot on the edge of the D or in the edge of the box, and they'll finesse that around the keeper in a one-on-one situation if they've rushed out. Jesus tries to go closer and closer and closer. And that is the sign of a striker that is lacking confidence. That is the difference. If There's nothing wrong with Erdegaard's pass at all. At all. If you pass it any further, you give the goalkeeper a more of an incentive to come out and try and intercept it. He waited it fine. There was no problem with it. Jesus has to do better in that situation. Uh, Michael Bird says, I still think a point away in the Prem is no matter who it is against isn't a terrible result. Even the best teams drop points. And it's a fair point. 
You can't win them all. I think Harry labelled his, uh, his video that. You can't win all the games. I'm not expecting Arsenal to win every game. We are going to drop points. City have dropped points. The Villa away from home. This is it's going to happen. There are games that you're just not going to win, even if you play the if even if you're the better side, which we were. It's important that in the games that we aren't the better side, that we still pick up points, and we did that last week. But we should have won this game, and that's why we're talking about the points and the processes behind why we didn't win this game, both in and out of our control. I am frustrated because I think there are things that we need to do better that could pick us up more points and we could take advantage of a really positive weekend in terms of who else dropped points. Liverpool, Chelsea, United and Spurs all dropping points. I'm starting to think that we're going to have to include Newcastle in this because they now sit fourth in the table. We might have to start considering them as potential rivals too. And they haven't even got Isaac and Sam Maximan at the moment. You know, they're without some key players and I expect them to go out and sign more players in January. It's the way that we're, this Newcastle side is going to start working. A, a transfer window for Newcastle is an opportunity to bring, you know, sky's the limit for them, really. So we need to make sure that we are taking these opportunities and we are taking, and we didn't do that yesterday. We didn't take them. Uh, Uriel says, let's not forget that we have a really young squad. This form is a hiccup. It's not a setback. Again, at the end of the day, we can't always use that we have a young team because it wasn't the young players that missed the chances for us yesterday. You know, Nketiah, I wouldn't even describe as a necessarily all that young player anymore. What is he, 23 now? Nketiah, let's have a quick look. Uh, he's 23, turns 24 in May at the end of this season. So he's hardly going to be a young, young player. And 23 in this day and age of football, you know, young, you're talking about 21 and under these days. Jesus is is an experienced multi Premier League winning striker, and that's again not for me. Like I can point the finger and say, oh, because he's young, you know, he should be scoring those chances. So I don't think we can necessarily point towards the young side of things. Uh, Rich says the ref was awful. We needed to finish better, and I think we need uh, we went too defensively with Tommy at left back. I would have had him at left back for Man City and Liverpool and Spurs away, but Katie in games that we need to be more proactive. Uh, Pratyush says, we have to fix up. We can't afford to drop points when we have a shark-like city right behind us. Uh, Suludin says, any news on Zinchenko? Fabio is not up to speed. Zinchenko is in contention, is what we're told. Every week, we're told he's in contention. We don't really get too much of a timeline on him other than the fact that he's said to be back ahead of the World Cup. So we should get him for at least maybe Chelsea and Wolves. I hope he's back this weekend. He says, Arteta says he's getting better and better, but without more information from Arteta, we won't have a clue how close Zinchenko is to actually being back. But he is so key, so key to the way that we play this season. We've missed him, missed him a lot. Uh, TJ Max says, I highly disagree, Tom. These are the tiny margins we need to improve in if we want to be the best. How many times has Haaland needed to take more than three touches to score? Pass appreciation is crucial. I, I think I just said the words that Harlan takes those shots from further back than Jesus is is taking them from. You know, that's exactly the example I used to, to, to kind of argue against that. So Harlan wasn't the best example to use there. Uh, Aya says, and Ketir is pretty poor. Last season's form was due to him starting because the type of mid-table striker that needs five chances to score one. The thing about Nketiah, as you say, is because he was starting every game starting every game at the end of that season. And so he was able to get up speed, get confidence, get composure, get all of those kind of psychological barriers out of the way. But as he talked about, when you're asked to come on at the end of games for 10, 15, 20 minutes and are expected to make an impact, I can't sit here and say he's poor or he's bad because he's not 
been given the chance to start games. I reckon if he moved to another Premier League team and was their number one striker, he'd probably score 10-plus Premier League goals a season pretty comfortably, potentially more than that. But because he's not starting, you know, every game for us, when he has, when he starts, his starting goal scoring record is, is great for Arsenal. Really solid. I think it's eight in 13 or something like that, maybe more. So it's, it's a case of like, he's, he's not pretty poor at all. He's just a striker that doesn't start games. If you want to go out and find a striker that's good off the bench, you can find them. There are plenty out there that are better off the bench than Nketiah. He's not a sub striker. He's a starting striker. And I don't think we have a team that are of a level that is going to start Nketiah as a striker. Yeah, difficult. Uh, Clive says, Southampton are a set-piece team. Long throws and corners. That's why Tommy played. I mean, what can you say more than that? It's an excellent, excellent example to explain why Tommy played. Dan says, Tom, when the when will we when will the floodgates open? Sorry, the games threw me off there. When will the floodgates open? How many chances must we kiss before things start to click? This is the time to get behind the team. Yeah, look, I think that... I think that once Jesus kind of gets that goal, similar to Saka, you know, Saka got that goal against United and scored again against Liverpool. And it's just started, to, you know, it really started to just snowball for him. Scored against Bodo, uh, scored against Leeds. Uh, and he was involved in the build-up for the goal against Southampton. There's something about confidence in a young team that pushes them through. I think once Jesus gets a goal, even not as necessarily as a young player, but certainly as a player that could do with one I think it will start to, to click I think Forest is a great game to play yes they're defensively pretty good got a very good goalkeeper but uh, I think it's a game that we can use the Europa League game is the interesting part of the discussion now we've got a preview show coming out on Wednesday for that now there's two arguments to the PSV game one argument is you go strong you know you go reasonably strong get back in form uh, try and get a good win and ultimately, you wrap up the group with either a draw or a win. And then you've got a, basically a game off where Chelsea were playing Champions League football. You have a game off before you play Chelsea at the weekend against when we had that Zurich game. And you just, you know, rotate everybody out. Or what you do is you rotate your team. You, you go a bit weaker or considerably weaker at PSV. Rest them ahead of the Forest game risk the PSV game and then maybe we don't get a win or maybe even we lose that game. It impacts your form, it impacts momentum and it means that we have to then go and win or draw against FC Zurich on the final day of the Europa League group. Maybe even win depending on what happens in the PSV game. So, you know, it, it's 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 an impossible choice. I, I really think there are strong arguments for both. I think I lean more towards saying, let's get the job done in PSV. I have confidence that this team are good enough that they should be able to still beat Nottingham Forest and get a result against PSV and have enough fitness to do both and then take the week off before Chelsea. I think I'd rather have the Zurich game to just throw all the kids in, and I mean the genuine kids, the youth kids against Zurich with it being a dead rubber and us having all of a week's rest before we play Chelsea, who would have played in the Champions League that week. I think that's the smarter thing to do. Go a bit stronger against PSV, give Jesus the chance to score more goals, get it done, and then next week, take it off, week off, get all the kids in, play Zurich. I tell you what, if we have a dead rubber against Zurich and Arteta throws in Jesus and Saka and Martinelli and Xhaka and Partey and Gabriel, you know, starts throwing in plenty of first-team starters, I'd just I'd lose the will. <laughs> I really would lose the will. We don't need to do it. We don't need to do that if it's a dead rubber. Throw the kids in. Literally throw it. I don't care. I just, just throw as many. It's a great experience for loads of those kids. 
play your fringe players, play Marquinhos, play Nelson, play Nketiah, uh, play Laconga, play Holding, play Cedric. You know, there's enough there. Play uh, Turner. And then throw in players like Bradley Ibrahim, throw in players like Matt Smith, throw in players like uh, Zuc Maldini Zakuri. Throw in these players. Throw in Lino Sosa. I don't think Lino Sosa can play, actually. I think he may have not been registered. Throw in Rule Waters, get him some minutes. Put Cedric at left back. Do whatever. I don't care. But just, you know, just rest those players. Don't let any of the first team players play. Get the job done on Thursday against PSV and then have a rested team. Give them, give them a week, send them away, you know, somewhere. Send them off to like a fun activity place or something on a Tuesday or Wednesday and give them a bit of a rest before the Chelsea game. Just get that morale, get that confidence, get that happiness back in the team. Just do something to help because if we don't need that distraction ahead of Chelsea, that's massive. That game against Chelsea is huge and we need to make sure that we pick up three points. I'm being serious. You know, that Man United team battered Chelsea and we should be going to Chelsea to look to win that game without a shadow of a doubt. So... Beat Forest, beat Chelsea, get a result against PSV, whatever happens against Europe, I don't really care if it's a dead rubber, you know. So, yeah, I think that's the way to go forwards. That's the way to do it. Uh, it's actually, I said it was an impossible choice. Turns out, not that impossible. It's actually very easy. Uh, Ian says, I think losing can't be an option for any kind of weak team apart from the field in the under-21s. We should be getting some results. Draws are okay. It's not panic yet, but uh, you've got uh, we got a point. But second half, uh, needs to be better. Um, Laughing Man says, play Nelson, Eddie, and Vieira. Oh, yeah, Vieira, I forgot about. Uh, bring subs on in the second half if needed. I think it's better to start strong and then take off than it is to start weak and bring on strong. I would, yeah, yeah I'd start strong and bring them off rather than the other way around. I think that's, I think that's better. Ash says, Lowell Forest is going to be a walkover. One draw got people moving crazy. <laughs> Uh, Adam though says Forrest got points against Liverpool it's there's no easy games the irony is is that the argument of there's no easy games is also balanced by people saying well we should be beating these teams <laughs> you know it's it's funny it's the dynamic of, of a chat box I suppose uh, Akamal says bring all our defenders against PSV play 5-5-0 formation all we need is a draw uh, PSV will be playing Budaglimps, which won't be an easy game for them as well in the final game too. Absolutely. In Budaglimps. Get the job done now, says Ben Nix. Uh, Fuad says, do you think finishing off chances is more to do with composure or killer instinct? Kind of very similar. And should we start recruiting players who are good at it, aside from being good at build-up play? No, we should look to players that have both. <laughs> you know, we don't need to compromise on signings. We should be looking for players that are exactly what we want. We're a team that are attractive to join. We should be able to go out and find players with absolutely all the characteristics that we need to look for in a player. We shouldn't be compromising. We should not be compromising. Uh, James says, Ramsdale didn't have anything to do. It was a pretty good performance defensively. We stopped 70,000 corners. Yeah, I mean, when you're up against James Ward-Prowse and a set-piece merchant like he is, you know, we defensively, from a set-point, a set-piece perspective, we defended really well, really well. So I haven't got an issue with that. The goal is, it's a good goal from Southampton. There is a mistake defensively, I think. I think Ben White's involved in it potentially. I need to watch it back again. But, you know, Again, I'll come back to the point. We should have. This, it doesn't matter about the referee. It doesn't matter about Southampton. We should have taken the chances. We should have taken our chances. It's as simple as that. I right, says Tom, I'm getting that familiar feeling with Arsenal again, being one step away from greatness. We need a marquee signing like Joao Felix. I think we can get a better player than Joao Felix as a marquee player. Personally, I think we can go and get someone better than him. Uh, Ash says, "Why do people keep talking about fatigue? It's October. Plus, we rotated more than any other team." This is the biggest misconception 
in football, this whole it's October thing, because people forget that footballers have played last season and the season before. It's not like the, it's not like the period before the season starts just suddenly recharges all the batteries fully. The constant, the 70 games plus that some players play on club joint international level, it doesn't just suddenly disappear when you start a new season. So the argument of it's October doesn't really work because the players are tired still. The players are fatigued because of the number of games they've got to play still. The number of international breaks there are still between a season. You know, it's it's fatigue because our depth still isn't there because of injuries. You know, if we hadn't, uh, you know, uh, El Nenny, Smith Rhodes, and Jenga, if we had those players, you know, I don't think we'd be anywhere near as fatigued because we could rotate a bit more. We can't at the moment. The it's October argument for me doesn't sit because the number of games played in a calendar year, let alone you know a season. It's it, that's that's for me the problem. Uh, Richie, what is the best solution on a fatigue factor? You sign more strength and depth, mate. It's as simple as that. Um, Jonathan says, yes, White played Armstrong onside, didn't follow his run. Uh, Mohammed says, Arteta got it wrong yesterday playing Tommy at left back, pulling Odegaard out, playing Eddie at the wing. Um, I think that uh, in terms of the substitutions, you're right. The Tommy Asu thing, I still, I think Clive raises an excellent point about defensively dealing with set pieces. That's why he started the game. Um, I think that Tierney could have come on potentially sooner when we went 1-1. You know, I think once you're in a position in the game where you need to try and go and get a goal, I think Tierney could have come on sooner, uh, probably even in reaction to the goal. I probably would have brought him on as soon as they scored. But that's the only gripe I've got with the Tommy Tierney thing. Everything else, I think it's fair. You know, we should have made better substitutions. Odegaard should have stayed on the field. I think Vieira could have come on for Xhaka. I think that Eddie could have come on for Jesus. Uh, and if Martinelli was injured, then... You know, add, add some spice, add some Marquinhos potentially into things. You know, bring on a genuine wide player. I think that would have been better. Uh, Ash says, the World Cup is a blessing. Been saying it all year. Regroup and buy some depth. Tang says, we have been rotating players. How can this be a fatigue issue? We say we've been rotating players. I mean, if we go back and have a look at Arsenal's fixtures. This season, I know I paused a lot there and you're probably thinking, where's he gone? Uh, PSV game. So in the PSV game, we've got Tomiyasu, Gabriel, uh, Xhaka, Saka uh, and Jesus. That's five. Then off the off the bench, we brought on Ben White, Thomas Partey, Erdegaard, Martinelli. That's nine of 11 starting players. If we go to the Buddy Glimpse away game this season. Uh, we started with White, Saliba. Uh, I'm not counting Tini when I do this, by the way, which you arguably could. Uh, so, yeah, White, Saliba, uh, Saka, Odegaard. And then off the bench, we brought Partey, Martinelli, Tomiyasu and Xhaka. Eight players. That's eight of 11 we played in that Europa League game. You then go to the Zurich game, uh, which we won 2-1. Starting team, Martinelli, uh, Xhaka, Gabriel, Tomiyasu. And then off the bench, we brought Saka, Odegaard, Jesus, Zinchenko. Another eight, you know, it's we are we're rotating. Some players, as Clive describes on the vision of playing at like 70%, like Saka does it really well in these games. But we're still playing a lot of the first team players. It's not like they're not, it's not like they're they're getting an entire week's rest off. Now, I think there's a strong argument that I think that sometimes players need minutes in midweek, especially, you know, ahead of the Liverpool game, we brought on Erdegaard and Partey and Jay. Was it Jesus? That's, no, I don't think Jesus. Maybe it was Jesus, actually. We brought them on. 
ahead of the Liverpool game to kind of just get them up to speed, I think, ahead of that game. Sometimes that's key. But we need to... I think the rotation argument saying we have been rotating. Sure, we've rotated, but we're still playing these players. So, yeah, I just... I think (laughs) Ash saying if that's tired, we're done is a little bit short-sighted with respect. It's just, I just think it's a bit short-sighted. Uh, Maggi says, we talk a lot about resting Saka, but is there an argument that Saka should improve his fitness? <sighs> Again, it's it's tough because he plays so many games in a year. So many games. How do you improve your, your fitness? I mean, he's, he's with world-class um, specialists in, in their fields in this sense. I'm just going to pull this blind down because it's a bit, a bit bright. Um, he's been world-class um, physicians, sports scientists. They are going to be giving him the maximum preparedness to improve your fitness, to play 70-odd games a year. You know, I, I don't know if the argument about improving fitness is works, if it lands because of, you know, the what they've got supporting them. It's It's very, very difficult. Anyway, I've been going on for 40 minutes now, I've just realised. There is a show on the Arsenal way at 10am. I'll be live this evening over on the Arsenal Lounge at 8pm. So if you enjoy a, uh, a, not a conflict, but certainly a a podcast with varying opinions, come over and join us, myself, Shaheen, uh, Lev and Mo. Uh, We'll all be there at 8. So do join us at 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, Yeah. It's frustrating. You can't win them all. You are going to drop points. It's how you respond. Last season, we lost games in streaks. We dropped points and we dropped points and we dropped points. This season, we dropped points against United. We won the next eight games. Now, we drop points against Southampton. Let's win the next eight games. You know, we need to make sure that we curb the drop of points. That's always going to be the key thing for us this season. And another positive way to look at this game is we lost this game last season. We didn't lose it this season. We've managed to show a little bit of progress. Southampton's always been a bit of a banana skin for us, unfortunately. But it's still an improvement if you think this season so far. We won at Brentford that we didn't last season. We beat Liverpool at home that we didn't do last season. Uh, We beat... There's some other team as well. Who's the other team? There's one other team that I can't remember who it is. But Southampton, we lost that game um, last season. We've drawn it this season. I'm really... It's bugging me now. I'm going to have to go back and have a look. Um, Crystal Palace, that's the one. We lost that last season. We won it this season. You know, we are improving upon results that we had last year this time around. That's key for a progress of a team making that difference. So uh, I hope that answers all your questions or as many of them as I could possibly go through. Spurs lost. That's funny. That's great. United and Chelsea drew. That's great. Liverpool lost. That's great. You know, there was lots of things in the weekend to like. There was lots of things from the game to be pleased about. And there were lots of things in the game that we can look to and be like, we can do better. And there were things we can look to and go, you need to be better, PGMOL. Uh, and all of that combines for me to still put me in a very, very good, happy place as we sit top of the Premier League table. Thank you for listening. Uh, go check out our last prize uh, before it runs out at 7.30 tonight. Link in the description. Go check out NordVPN as well. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you tonight, 8 p.m. over on the Arsenal Lounge. Join us, UK time. Uh, see you very, very soon, guys. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mate's already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.